Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, everybody. We are truly glad to have you here with us because we're pretty confident that God has you here for a reason. This month, our series has been called Pray First. And what we've tried to do, rather than start out with a New Year's resolution of sorts, we want to put this keystone habit into place in our lives. And so if you've been with us, I just want to ask a question, you know, how many have been trying that? You've been trying to get daily prayer in. Can I see hands there? Okay, bunch there. How many are finding that it, it's starting to make a difference? You know, there's a positive difference in your life. And we find a negative difference. <laughs> Hope that's not the, not the case there. Now, if you're just joining with us, as we said, Rather than trying to do this New Year's resolution, I just got to put prayer into my life. Pray first is a keystone habit, which would be something that would be very small that could have a very big return upon us. And that's what we're discovering more and more as we move throughout this series. We've had several mentors that we've been looking to because most of us really could use some help in being able to pray or to pray more or better. First mentor that we looked at from the scripture was a person by the name of Daniel. And Daniel was just pretty emphatic when he said this, no matter what, pray first. Pastor Bill introduced us to the Apostle Paul as a prayer mentor. And in that, we discovered when we pray first with thanksgiving, that prayers of thanksgiving open up greater prayer for us in our lives. Last week, Pastor Rob brought us to James as a prayer mentor. Each one of these is kind of building one on another. James had a nickname, which was Camel Knees, because of the reputation that he had for prayer. And James' message was this, that prayer matters. As in, prayer always makes a difference. And so we want to wrap things up with one other prayer mentor, and that would be Jesus. Because I'm thinking like Jesus might have something to offer for us in prayer, right? Do you agree with that? Okay. So if you happen to have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask that you take it right now and turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Always helps to be able to look at this as we're going through it. If your Bible uh, preference is using um, you know, Bible app on your phone, open that up right now. Please follow along with us as we move through. Mark chapter 9, verse 14, starts out with these words. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, Jesus asked. And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. And I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replies, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you 
Jesus can do anything. Take pity on us and help us. If you can, says Jesus, are you saying, if I can do anything? Everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father exclaimed, I do believe, please help me overcome my unbelief. Now let's just pause there for just a second. The scene here is actually set up by Jesus' absence. Jesus has been gone for the past six days with three of his other disciples. When they return, they come to this large, chaotic, and emotionally charged situation. Now, if you kind of wonder, like, how do you know that it was emotionally charged? Because of the people and all the people that were there. Do this with me for just a second, would you? I want you just to think about the emotional state or what is a person feeling at this moment? For example, what do you think those nine disciples that couldn't cast the demon out are feeling right now? Like, yeah, like a little embarrassed. They feel like a failure. Maybe there's even some shame that they're carrying with them at this point. Now you got the Jesus critics that are there. What do you think these Jesus critics are feeling? They're going like, I mean, they're smug, aren't they? I mean, they are getting a rare win in right here. They're feeling good about this in a very contorted way. The father, what is this dad feeling in this moment? I'm here desperate. I'm, on the one hand, there's a hopelessness. I brought my son and you couldn't help me. But now Jesus is here. Maybe there's a, a tension in his soul, hopeless hope. At the same time, we felt that way, right? Well, you get the crowd. Like, what's the crowd feeling right now? I think the crowd is like, you know, hey, everybody, we may get a Jesus show that's gonna go on right here. This is awesome. So they're all moving, you know, toward it. But we didn't ask, what do you think Jesus is feeling? Because Jesus is certainly feeling right now, isn't he? When he looks at his nine disciples that couldn't do this, you think he's feeling disappointed? Like, didn't I teach you better? At the same time, loving. He looks at the critics and he's like, really? Maybe there's some anger that's there as well as love for them. When Jesus' eyes meets the dad's eyes, what is Jesus feeling toward him? Is he feeling like, I, I got you, but I want to call something up in you. There's lots of emotion at this point, and we're not done yet. Let's go on. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead, he died. And this is what you call going from bad to worse, isn't it? It's like a surgeon coming out and saying, the operation was a success, but the patient died. Like, 
But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And this is just loaded with resurrection language in this particular verse. And then we read, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, how are some of the emotions changing? I mean, think about the nine disciples and what they had just seen here. I think there was an emotional like, yes, we have a come behind win that has just taken place with this miracle. You've got the Jesus critics at this point. Well, their emotions changed, hasn't it? They're just kind of like, like, we got nothing. The father, he has gone from this hopelessness, this hopefulness to this gratefulness. Like, this is what I've prayed for for years. The boy himself, I mean, the very first words that this young man gets to speak are words of, thank you, Jesus. The spirit, we actually know what this demon felt was terror standing before the power of Jesus himself. But what are you feeling? Because when you hear these words, when you reflect on this, it's like, is there something kind of stirs within you? Or are you just kind of like, eh, that, was, you know, that was a cool story. What else you got for me, guy? Right? Jesus did a debrief that evening with his disciples. And at the debrief of the day, the burning question of the disciples, you know what it is, right? The nine are asking this question. Why couldn't we drive out the spirit? And the reason they're asking the question is because they'd always been able to before. Several months before, if you don't know this, Jesus had given his apostles the power and the authority to be able to drive out evil spirits and to be able to heal. And for month after month after month after month, they've been able to do so until this day. And so Jesus gives to them a very simple and a very profound lesson, something that they desperately needed, something I think that we're going to find that need for in our lives as well. And he said, the answer to your question is because you need to pray first. The reason Jesus would say this to them is because they didn't. Right? Duh. Which means either when they were trying to cast this spirit out and heal this boy, they weren't praying when they were doing it, or it means that they just neglected prayer that day. You know? They were busy. I mean, Jesus was away. They had things to do. There's all these you know, people that are around them that way, and they just forgot to pray. And if you ask me which it was, I'm like pretty sure it was the second. They just neglected prayer. Because when Jesus goes to heal this boy, he doesn't pray. And the other gospels that give us this same instance, Jesus didn't pause to pray before he cast him out. He just cast the demon out. But we do know that he prayed earlier that day. See, what Jesus wants them to understand is this. There are some things, some stuff just doesn't happen without prayer. And I thought, it's probably 
the most helpful thing for us, if I could just craft this into a theological statement for us. So here's what I've done. The statement that I want all of us to be able to, you can just write this down, take it out with us, is this. Jesus wants us to know that God doesn't do some stuff without prayer. How's that for a theological statement, right? In fact, want to say it once with me, everybody? God doesn't do some stuff without prayer. No, I didn't say God couldn't. I said he doesn't do some things. That's what Jesus is telling us here. Now, if we look a little bit deeper into this passage and what's going on here, verse number 23, powerful truth that Jesus gives. He said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Let's read that together. Ready, everybody? Everything is possible for one who believes. Now, this is what Jesus said. So let's read one more time with conviction. Ready? Everything is possible for one who believes. Now, do you believe that? Now, like I said, this is inspirational. And at the same time, it can be easily misused or actually abused. See, Jesus didn't say that you can pray whatever you want and if you have enough faith that God's gonna do it. Didn't say that. Nor conversely did he say this. If you pray for something, but you don't get it, it's just because you don't have enough faith. So that's been communicated quite often. A person prays for healing in their life and they pray sincerely, but they're not healed. And the message they hear is, well, you just need more faith. I've got a colleague, godly, wise, prayed for years, still praying to be healed. Hasn't been healed yet. Sometimes in our lives, we pray for something that is just desperately on our heart. Maybe pray to conceive a child, but you haven't conceived a child. And people just tell you, well, you just need to have more faith. We pray, God, help me to overcome this stronghold in my life because I know it's hurting me, it's hurting the people around me. But we don't get an answer. We haven't overcome that stronghold yet. We pray for a prodigal to be able to come back. We pray for somebody to be able to, to find God, to find Jesus in their life for the help that they need. But it hasn't happened. And the message that we can get is this. Well, if you just believed harder, you wouldn't be the spiritual failure that you are right now. And we feel like we're a failure when these things don't happen in our lives because of the misuse of what Jesus said here. And Jesus is like, let's clear this up immediately. See, in the passage, what Jesus is communicating is this. First thing he says, when he says all things are possible, he said, don't limit God. Don't put limits on God. That's number one. Number two then, he says, and don't ignore all of the rest of what God has said to you as well. The Apostle Paul, we know, pretty spiritual person, he prayed three times for healing in his own life and he never got it. Was it because he lacked the faith? No, God actually ends up revealing to him, it's like, I've just got a different plan for you. One of the things I find myself praying for quite often is when I'm in a time of suffering, when I got problems going on in my life, it's God, would you just help me? Would you eliminate the problems? Would you, would you get these people out of my life that way? To which I thought at times, oh my goodness, I'm just asking God to be a spiritual hitman. 
right? God, just deal with, you know, like, take them out, right? Yet Jesus said, in this world, you will have problems, troubles, struggles, and persecutions. So he's not saying don't pray about those things, but he just goes like, but remember, this is what I said is going to happen and take place. So when you do find these things, pray first. The next verse, verse 24, quite honestly, you know, a little self-confession here. This may be one of the most well-used verses in the Bible that I pray most often, like almost every month. It says this, Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And if you wonder, like, why do you pray that, guy? It's because there's times in my life I'm just struggling with things. I mean, I got doubts. I see some situations taking place. I'm going, this just shouldn't be happening. Like, why is this happening? Denise will pick up on it sometimes, and, and, and she'll say, she goes like, guy, God's got this. And I'm in my head going like, I know she's right. But what comes out of my mouth is, it doesn't feel like he's got this right now. Jesus is telling us, just as he told this father here, he goes, I want you to take a firm hold on faith. And I want you to be real with me and the doubts that you have. I mean, think about this dad. I brought my son in faith and your disciples couldn't help me. I mean, that just kind of like took his faith feet right out from underneath him. And he came with Jesus like, I believe, but I'm struggling. Jesus, would you help me? And when we do the same thing, Jesus, I do believe, but I don't understand this. These are the doubts that are just raging in my life. He goes like, that's the perfect way to come to me. Because now you can discover that there's some things that God doesn't do without prayer. For clarity, when we talk about pray first, we're not necessarily you know, talking about if you just pray first thing in the morning, then you're covered for the day. That, that's what we're doing, pray first. That's not the keystone habit that we're trying to do. Our tendency, my tendency, can be that I do everything that I can do, and then when I have nothing else left to do, then I pray as a last resort. And we're trying to flip that script. In other words, if it's important to you, then pray first about it. If it's important to God, then pray first rather than waiting till the very end to pray about that, to set ourselves up for what God wants to do in our lives. See, that's what Jesus came as an example as well as a teacher to do. We start out the book of Mark. Here's what we learn about Jesus from the get-go. Very early in the morning, he gets up while it's still dark. He goes out, leaving the house to a solitary place to pray. Why does Jesus, I mean, Jesus need to do this? There's two reasons that Jesus prayed first. First, because he wanted to stay connected to God. That's a good reason to pray first. He wanted to be connected to his heavenly father. Write that down. Second, Jesus knew there's some stuff that God doesn't do without prayer. Hence, he prayed first. Now, if I can add something to this, there's some stuff that God doesn't do that he desires. When the disciples were trying to cast this demon out of the boy, they had good intentions. Did God want that boy to be tormented by a demon? Yes or no? I mean, not a hard question there. No, God didn't want that. 
So why didn't he just, you know, like, act right then? Because the disciples, they just weren't opening up what God has asked them to be able to do. Come to me to be able to get this help. He desired it, but prayer was something that God said is going to be needed to open this up. For us in our lives, now hear me, there are some things that God desires to take place in your life, in my life. But it hasn't happened yet. It's not happening now. Because we just haven't taken the time. We haven't brought it to him in prayer. So more specifically, there's some things that God desires in our relationships to occur. If you're married, there's some things that God wants in your marriage to occur. Like right now. You may be able to think of some of those things in some of the relationships that you have. Need for improvement, need for reconciliation in our marriage. Like there's some things right now, I just want for that, I need for it to get better. God wants for that as well. But it won't take place if we don't pray first. There's some things in our lives personally, things that we want to overcome in ourselves. God wants us to overcome those things. You know why it's not happening? It's because we're we just honestly, we're just not taking the time to pray about that. When we think about what God would want for us, even as a church, to take place. I mean, there's things that God desires to take place. We got this new North Campus that are going on. And we're thinking to ourselves, like, that's gonna be great. And I think it is. But when we go like, we've got a good plan, we've got people, we've got all these things, like we're covered and we're not praying first about it, there's so much that God wants to be happening, but it's not gonna happen unless we're there in doing that. That's this message that Jesus wants to be able to communicate to us. You think about it like this. Imagine, imagine that I, I wish I could, you know, imagine this as well. Imagine that I was the owner of a high-end grocery store here in town and because I'm imagining that I own a Costco as well. So I'm, a, I'm the owner of both of these. And I come to you and say, as a friend of mine, I've got a gift for you. If you'll take this card, anytime you want to go into my grocery store, anytime you want to go into Costco, if there's something you need that week, if there's something that would just bless you or your family, if you will present this card then that's all the payment that's necessary. Imagine that. Now imagine also what your friend would say to you, what you'd say to yourself if you never use that card. You have all of this at your resource, but for whatever reason, it's like you just never do it. What would you say to yourself? I'd be saying to myself, are you crazy? Like, like use the car. Like, come on. Personally, one of the areas that I've had the greatest movement in in my life in the last two, three years, you know, the spiritual growth in, has actually been in this area of prayer. And it's not because I didn't pray before. You know, I've, I've prayed for years and years, but just this understanding of what Jesus is saying here, as simple as it is, as profound as it is. As I've been praying first, I've seen God do more 
in me, through me, around me than ever in my lifetime. That's what I want for you. And I'm just echoing what Jesus' prayer is for you. Jesus' prayer for us, quite simply, is this. I've got something for you. There is stuff that God wants to do in your life. He wants to do through you if you'll just use the card. The card says, would you pray first? This is kind of a seed question. I'll just drop it into your heart right now. Would your life be any different if you didn't pray? I mean, right now, just honestly, like, would your life be any different? Would it be any different for you at school? Would it be any different for you, you know, in your relationships if you didn't pray? I'm getting to the place where I realize that that things would be different. Jesus wants you to be able to experience that and know that as well. Hence the question that can get planted in us. There's one other prayer that Jesus has. If you're here and you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your savior yet, did you know that before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed for you? While Jesus was on the cross and in his suffering, he prayed for you. And today, Jesus prays for you. He prays that your eyes will be open to your understanding of the gospel and the invitation it is for you, that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And as you come to that understanding like, it was for me? Jesus died for my sins? He's praying that you will take the invitation that he's giving to you that you will be able to experience the goodness, the grace of God at work in your life, the forgiveness of sin, but truly life and life to the full. And if you haven't done that, then I wanna pray for you as well. 2024 gives us a unique opportunity to take a keystone habit, pray first. That is, whatever matters to us, to pray about that first and open ourselves up to what God has for us. Will you join me this year in that? Will you daily pray first and see what God will bring to you? Please join me in this prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given to us a gift and that sometimes we wonder why you won't do what you wanna do if we don't pray. Maybe a part of the answer is so that we'll stay connected to you. Maybe a part of the answer is so that we'll understand that you actually keep your word. But for whatever those reasons are, we wanna make a commitment now, this year, 2024, to daily pray first. And if that's your prayer, would you please, please, please Express that to Jesus now. And friend, if you haven't trusted him, but would like to do so, 
Like your eyes are open. Other people have been praying for you, but today it's like, I need to trust Jesus Christ as my savior. If that's the case for you, can I just ask you, would you just raise a hand in acknowledgement of you, of that my prayer would be to open myself up to Jesus today. God bless you. Jesus, for all of those raising their hands and for those that are just opening themselves up to you right now, thank you for the gift of life that you're giving. Thank you that you've done everything necessary to make it possible to experience God now and to live with you in heaven. Thank you for the saving grace that you're pouring out. And again, we pray, Lord, help us to follow your example and to pray first. We ask it in your mighty name. And our being agreement said, Amen. 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 If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.